0: You can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the uh, title for this morning is God's Design for Biblical Headship. I'd like to preach about the God's Design for Biblical Headship and we see it's something that we have been taught, we have practiced here. And this morning, the intention is to strengthen what we are practicing, and to uh, to know why. You know, we all probably been asked the question. You know, what, why do you wear that veiling? And uh, this morning, I plan to have a teaching lesson, and going through these verses, and hopefully that we can build conviction in our heart. Uh, you know, it is a, that it's maybe more than a symbol, but we want the inward reality that we obey. Uh, the heart we need the conviction or heart and that's uh why we want to teach on this subject you know if you remember in this winter we had our our church service here i believe it was in february that was canceled and this was the very lesson that we didn't cover that sunday morning when church was canceled here so this is uh so hopefully to fill in for the uh th- that sunday morning that we missed there this section of verses So if you have your Bibles, I'd like to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and let's follow the first 16 verses. It says, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I've delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonored his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that it is even all as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, nor neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves, is it calmly that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So this morning we wanna go through these verses and we're gonna have four points. Number one, we're gonna look at the order of headship. Number two, we're gonna look at the order of glory and number three, we're gonna look at the order of creation. That strengthens this principle, and then we're going to lastly look at some of the excuses of the contentious. Now, the first couple verses talks about keeping, keeping the, keep the ordinances, that word is translated often uh, hold fast, or, or uh, it's the idea of being committed to. And we see that Paul's praising them they were, that they weren't forgetting him and the things he taught them, and to be diligent to keep the ordinances. And then he goes this ordinance of headship, and then we see the ordinance of communion. But it says, that, and following in the last part of the chapter, he says, this one thing I want you to know. So this, Paul says, I taught you one thing, but this one thing I want you to know. And then he goes on to the headship order. Now I would like to uh, just think about the headship order here. Um, You know, the head of man, the head of woman is man, and the head of man is Christ, and the head of Christ is God. It's a headship order. I'd have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. This is the anchor verse in in the chapter. It's this is the fundamental principle of this passage. It's God's government. Why? It's just because God ordained it that way. God ordained it that way. It's God's design for biblical headship. And it's right and good. It, It works. You know, the head of means authority. You know, just because we're a child of God does not do away with authority. You know, many commands, we have many commands about submitting, submitting to authorities, and we have lots of authorities. Um, and this tells us that God's authority structure is very real today. It hasn't changed. It, ha- it hasn't changed in the last 100 years. It hasn't changed in the last 50 years. This is how it was. Always. The head of... Woman is man, the head of man is Christ, and the head of God, the head, and, the, and the head of Christ is God. Now, if we look at this relationship here between Christ and God, you know, did Christ believe that? Or did he live his life in, in, in a submission to the Father? As we read the Bible and, 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 and we look, did Christ acknowledge God as his head? when he was here on earth, and the answer is yes. He did everything he could to please him, everything. It it was not about his own will, it was about doing the will of the Father, not my will, but thy will be done, and it was a voluntary submission. He was in total submission to the Father, so Jesus understands this doctrine, because he lived it, and I don't think he found it hard. I, and, I, and he's not asking something of us that he didn't do. So now the, the relationship here with uh, man and Christ. You know, does man today, all mankind, believe that Christ is the head, their head? And the answer is probably no. There's many people that, don't, that live their lives in denial of Jesus as their head. But the truth is that every knee will bow to Christ someday. We will, everyone will acknowledge Christ as their head sometime, whether it's here or whether it's later. Just because we don't believe something, because they deny something, doesn't change the truth of it. And then we have the, uh, the woman. Does woman believe that man is the head of woman? And again, we would acknowledge that many women do not believe that today and i believe it goes back to the garden of eden you know when eve was out of her place but the question is sisters do you believe that man is your head that god designed it this way we're looking at god's design for biblical headship god set it up that way you know god and we'll get to it but she ma, woman was made from man taken from the rib from man and for him a help meet for him, so that's the created order. It's not that w- woman is inferior, but it's rather a pr- place of privilege. You know, even between God and Christ, there was an understood order. The head of Christ is God. That makes Christ no less valuable. No, that same way with women, the no, they're no less, va- uh, there's, it's, they're equal, there's just shows a headship order. We're looking at God's design for biblical headship. And we see uh, man in the same lineup as women. We have a head too. We have a head too. And if we as men are submitted to our authority, uh, I believe the women will not have problems submitting. You know, uh, we can notice the order that Paul mentions it in the verse. He mentions man first, the head of man is Christ, and then ahead had a woman. He mentions the men first, so I wonder if that was there for a reason. So thinking about these headship orders here, like, can Christ and God get mixed up? Can that headship get mixed up? And the answer is is no, it cannot. You know, maybe if Satan would have listened to, I mean, if if Christ would have listened to Satan's temptation, maybe that could have been that way. The, the essence of the temptation was just do your own thing. do Be your own boss. and um, But God, Christ was under the head of God, so that didn't get messed up. Can the, can the relationship between man and Christ get reversed, get messed up? No, Christ will. We can deny it, but it's the truth is there. The truth is there. It cannot um, be reversed. And then we could look at the uh, relationship between woman and, and man, can that get reversed? And we know that the answer is yes, it can. Adam and Eve, it started there in the garden. Eve was out of her place and Adam didn't take his place and he was passive and didn't take his role. So headship can get messed up there. But God did rebuke him for not taking his role there with Adam, but, but we, pray, we can praise God for redemption. And we want to look at that here. So we have also, so that's the principle, the order of headship. And then we also have, there's a principle here of covered head for the woman and uncovered head. It says every man praying or prophesying having his head covered dishonored his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesy with her head uncovered dishonored her head for it that is even all as if she were shaven so there we see the uh, there's the principle given here of the covered head for wom- for woman and uncovered for men and in the the ministry that it's talking about in is praying or prophesying when we're praying or when we're prophesying when we're talking about god and it says in verse 4 every man praying or prophesying you know it's talking to god or praying, talking to God, or talking about God, uh, having his physical head covered, dishonored his typical head, Christ. If we pray, if man, what that verse is saying is if we pray covered, we are dishonoring our typical head, Christ. And then it goes on, the next verse in 5 says, every woman praying or prophesying with her physical head uncovered dishonors her head man. And it says it's as if she was shaven. So when a woman prays uncovered, she dishonors her head. Why? We could ask why. You know this, uh, all we're told is because man was made in the image of God. So why when a man prays covered, dishonors his head? Uh, you know, it, it, this, it, it talks about this is a dishonor. You know when this is taking place, it's a dishonor. It's not like it's uh, it doesn't say that the woman should be taken out and and killed, but it's a dishonor. It's a shame. It's a uh, it's on. It's not becoming. So and the only the reason here is for in verse seven, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, and the woman the glory of man. And then in verse in verse six it says. Uh, uh, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. So it, it's saying here, you know, if you're not going to cover it, then cut it off your hair. And if it's a shame to cut it off, well, then cover it. And the Greek here is in the imperative. And that's in let her be covered is a command. It's in a command form. Now, this word cover, the Greek word is, is to, means to veil. It means to veil. So as I look, you know, we see the sisters are having a veil on your head. This is what the Bible is talking about. It's in the scripture. Now it's a it's the uh, it doesn't tell us how how what fabric it should be or what style it should be or what size it should be. That's an application. We have the doctrine here, the doctrine of headship, and we have the principle of covered hair, uncovered hair, short hair for men, long hair for uh, ladies. But there's an application where the church comes in and, and decides, the church has, just applies this, these principles to how, how we practice. And if we look at history, we see that this was practiced for, since Paul wrote it, let's say it's 2,000 years, this was largely practiced in the last, it's only the last 100 years that we see it disappearing or challenged or you know, for, for, for 1900 years, it was largely practiced by all churches. Uh, two years ago, we were over in Romania. Uh, Melissa was singing in a tour there, and uh, we were in a, a Pentecostal church in Romania, and the women had veils on. So this is only something that was lost in the last hundred years. So it was, it's, it's something that was practiced very largely. And we need to, you know, it's not just a a Mennonite thing. So, and we need to build conviction in our hearts. You know, this is a symbol of submission. The veiling is a symbol of submission. The covering is that it's submitting to authority that God has put over us, submitting to God's divine authority by wearing a head covering does, does, not, does not, that doesn't automatically mean you're submitting. You can wear a head veiling without submitting. You know, we need to first submit in our hearts and have that bowed heart and then put the symbol on and, in the, uh, and wear the symbol of it, the, ve- the veiling. After the, what happened in the garden, I believe God redeems the situation and gives sisters the privilege to put a sign of submission on her head and that states to the angels and to the world God's design for biblical headship, the very thing that got messed up. Now I'd like to move into the next one, and that is the order of glory. There's glory mentioned here in verses uh, 7 and verses 15. We have the order of glory. It says here in verse 7, and I have the verse up here, it says, For man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. There we have two glories. And here's the third one. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. So the first glory is, uh, is the glory of, the man is the glory of God. Man was created in the image of God for the glory of God. That is his, that's the first glory. And, and here we have woman is the glory of man. It says there that the woman is the glory of the man. So there we have woman, the glory of man. And the long hair in verse 15 is the glory of a woman. There's three glories mentioned. I have the fourth one faded there. I believe the church is the glory of Christ. That's not in these verses here. But so men have a glory and we are glory. And women have, uh, women is the glory of man. And so women have a glory and they are a glory as well. So what is glory when you think about how would you define glory? You know, it's something that <clears throat> brings attention to, you know, something that glows or emanates. You know, the, uh, the picture there is those, those, the, the yellow lines going up, something emanating. It's glory, like a, when the sun is setting, you know, in a beautiful sunset and you see the uh, it's you look out there and it's there's just something emanating, and it came from the sun, it's the glory of the sun. You know, God has glory, it's what draw, it's, draws attention to Him. Angels have glory, and that's what draws attention to the angels. The woman's long hair is her glory, and that's what draws attention to herself. And God wants the woman's hair to be covered. Man is made in the image of God and and is the glory of God. Woman is the glory of man and the long hair is the glory of woman, the principle here of covered glory. Man's glory is not to be covered when praying or prophesying, that's what the verses say. And that's different from the Old Testament. The Old Testament, they were to be covered and the Jews still today and and, uh, Muslims, they'll cover their heads in their worship, men. But this change in the New Testament, God wants the man to be uncovered and the woman to be covered. God wants his glory to be seen. God wants uh, woman's glory to be covered. Covered head for the sister and uncovered head for the men is God's order. It's God's design for biblical headship. Now, I just wanna think about just one example. There's more that we could look at, but an example of covered glory. This is Isaiah. And he was in the throne room. Isaiah, uh, he got into the throne room of God and says, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord also sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims, each had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he did cover his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole world. Earth is filled with His glory, so here we see the picture, the reality of God's glory filling the whole temple, and the angels coming before the throne of God, with, God with, the, uh, with God's glory there emanating. And what do they do? They cover their glory. So, do you think angels still cover their glory today? That's a question we have. Do they? I believe. I believe they would. You know. Um, In Hebrews, we have a verse here that talks about us coming into the throne of grace. The throne of grace in Hebrews 4.16. You know, the holy of holies, the veil was rent, and today we have the very access into the presence of God. And what about a woman being uncovered? Is it okay? What does God think? What does God think? Would it be the same as a woman with a shaved head to us? You know, when a woman goes in the presence of God, uncovered, I believe she's flaunting man's glory, which God commanded to be covered. You know, if a woman is, uh, is not going to cover her physical head, it says let her take her glory off. If you're not going to, to veil your glory, then take it off. And in verse 13 says, "If it's a, is it calmly, is it, pro, is it suitable is it proper to pray uncovered? You judge. And it's saying that, you know, then we have the, uh, the creation coming right after that. Doesn't even nature teach you? But then we have the creation. So that's the glory, the order of glory. Then we have the order of creation. This headship principle is rooted in, in creation. It's not rooted in culture. And we're going to look at that a little closer. But the order of creation adds strength to this principle of headship. Headship order is based on creation, it's simple. It's simply that man was created first, and then woman, that's what it says. The headship order, as you know, rib was taken from Adam's side, she is from man, from, rib from his side, and, and for him, that's what the verse says, and that's for a help me. That's the, or, that's the creation order, we're looking at the order of creation. You know, Adam was made first and woman came from man. God created Adam for himself and then he created woman for Adam. So God created Eve for a helpmeet for, for Adam, uh, not, not Adam, a helpmeet for Eve. It's the order of creation, it's how God made it and he doesn't make mistakes. And then verses 11 and 12, uh, that's, a, do I have them? No, okay, 11 and 12 are not in here, but that's the verses that tell us, I don't have it up on the screen here, but the t- verses that tell us that men and women were interdependent one of another. Ever since Adam and Eve came, all men came from a womb of a woman. Every man was born of a woman since Cain and Abel, and there cannot be men without women and uh, had, unless a woman gave birth to him. So we're dependent one of another. You know, if you'd have all men, there'd be no women. All women, there'd be no men. Same-sex marriage is not just gross sin, it is anti-procreation. God created a way and it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. We are, we, are not de- we are not independent of each other, but we are dependent on each other, interdependent on each other. And when there's more than one party that's interdependent, you know, one must have the authority and the other must be submissive. The one needs to be the head, the leader, the provider, and the other is to be the helper and the supporter and a companion. You know, it's not a matter of being better. It's not a comparison of ability or intelligence or uh, importance. You know, it, in Bible times, women were looked down on. And today, you know, we have the Afghanistan, Afghanistan, you know, the what women are treated differently. You know, Jewish synagogue today, you go up to a Jewish synagogue in New York City, they will have the women in a different room. So there, there was something to that, that the women were looked down on. But Christianity is different. Christianity is different. In Christianity, men and women are equal. In uh, Galatians 3, 28, it says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for we are all one in Jesus Christ. Christianity is quite a contrast, and we are all equal. There's no, um, we're, we're all the same, the same level here. You know, in God's plan, the women functions under the leadership of man, but it's no way anything about lordship. You know, authority was given to lead, to uh, to lead us, and we need to be loving leaders. You know, we could men, we can ask ourselves: Am I leading out in love, or am I lording it over? It's not about being boss. You know, we've uh, we've probably all seen some. Men, and, and I myself at times, been unloving, leading out in an unloving way, maybe lording it over, but, and, and maybe even not submitted to a Christ our head and the other uh, overhead. And we've also seen the opposite, maybe, you know, of a domineering woman, not, not submitting to, to man or maybe not letting um, her husband lead out. But this is this is talking about loving leadership it's not it's not lordship you know the only authority we have is when we are under authority you know the centurion said that quite well when he said you know just say the word to jesus i know, understand authority i know what it means to be under in, in submission and to have others under me so he understood the power of submission, the power of position. So when we are under authority, it will be easy for subordinates to submit. When man bows his heart to the Lord Jesus, it's a very uh, good thing. So the opposite would be to just be passive and not lead out, not taking the leadership role. So in verses 11 and 12, you know, even though men have equal spiritual privilege with men, they are also to be subordinate to man's leadership in the plan that God has placed there. This order was and still is shown by a head covering or a veiling. That's what the Bible says here. In, uh, in verse 10, we get into the uh, another interesting verse here. So this head veiling, uh, it says here she will have power <coughs> For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. This head covering is a sign to the angels. First it says, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head. What this passage was talking about and is talking about is women being subject to man. She was created for man, she is his glory, and for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Now this word power is, a, is a, um, it's not the dunamis power that we think about, that mighty wonder working power. This is a power of authority or privilege. This is a different Greek word and it, it's in, in the sense of ability. It's a power of position. It's a power of privilege, uh, power that comes from submission. It's the power that the centurion understood. Just say the word. The power by taking your place under the headship order of God, because you have accepted your headship order and wear the symbol, God is giving you a testimony, sisters in the heavenlies, to the angels. Think about it. This, I, this, there's a connection between the head covering and the angels. That's what this verse says. There's a connection. And I don't know if I understand it all. And we probably won't. But I believe that this is true. I believe there is true that this is a testimony to the angels. The angels that are looking on. It's a sign to the angels. And I believe, we, you know, we know there's good angels and there's fallen angels with Satan. But I believe they could be visible to both. You know, the good angels, we probably all heard somebody of a testimony of someone who was harm to be done, and they saw the head covering and just stopped in their tracks. That doesn't mean we'll all be protected because we wear a head, head covering, but there is a, a, a sign, a sign to the angels, testimony to the good angels. Um, you know, the, Luke 15, the, it, it tells us that the angels rejoice over one sinner that repents, so the angels are looking on. And I believe it is a sign to the uh, fallen angels to uh, Satan and his fallen angels. You know, I believe it's a sign in that you, know, you believe the Bible and you're submitting to the very thing they refuse to do. What did Satan refuse to do? He refused to submit. And I wonder if this isn't a strong pill for Satan to swallow when he sees the obedience of following this. And I believe that's why he hates it, and I believe that's why it's being attacked today. I believe it's also a testimony to the world. We've all probably had somebody come up and ask us, why, you know, what is that veiling on your head about? Or what do, why do you wear that? And uh, hopefully it will give us that opportunity to, uh, to share Christ. Or, uh, but it is a, it's a witness. It's a testimony. It's a sign to the world. And maybe it's a sign to uh, maybe for those that used to wear it, and maybe would uh, could prick their conscience. But I believe it's also a testimony to our brothers and sisters, to other Christians. You know, when you around here, we always it's very common to see somebody. You go out, and you will see somebody uh, from church or from somewhere. But you get out of the out of the area, it's not that way. I remember being out in Rapid City one time and seeing somebody in a Menards, just like a Lowe's out there that they had, were availing, and well you go and talk to them, you, know, this is, you don't see that, so it's what a blessing when you, um, to meet others that are, it's a testimony to our brothers and sisters, to the Christian. But I believe it's a testimony to us as men. Think about it, <clears throat> isn't the sisters wearing the covering a witness to us? challenging us to fill our roles it says it's a sign that says i'm submitting and it's, what a blessing let's be faithful in filling our roles and uh what god has called us to and i believe it is a testimony to god i believe it's a testimony to god you know just simple obedience to his word uh, obeying the headship order we're doing what the angels uh, are doing when they covered their glory you know, so we can ask the question, you know, why would why would you want your veil as small as you can? You know, why, why would we wanna go, uh, somebody was just uh, recently uh, in the store and, and it took five, 10 minutes till we noticed they had a covering on, so it was that small. Uh, I, we, we missed it until, um, So, I remember being in class with Leroy Yoder at SMBI one long ago. He's late, late Leroy Yoder, passed away. But he said he was going through the ordinances and it was, um, and he got to this, this passage of scripture, and I'll never forget. He says, You soon it can be a symbol of the symbol. So, this is about, this is a symbol, but it's more than a symbol. There's a principle here of covered glory. So I believe there's blessing in in a sizable veiling that God is asking the sisters to wear. Then in verse 13 says, Judge in yourselves. Is it calmly that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Think about it from a human human standpoint. You know, it's saying good judgment on this passage will tell you that it's right for sisters to have long hair that's covered with a veiling and then verse 14 says doesn't nature even teach its doesn't even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair it's a shame unto him if a woman have long hair it's a glory to her for hair is given to her for a covering so nature has a lot of lessons and I was trying to wrap my brain around this one you know how, how does this how does nature teach us this and I believe there's a law written down in the hearts of all human hearts which says men and women should wear their hair differently. Ladies have long hair and men have short hair. That might be some variables, but I believe uh, that stands true. There's something, doesn't even nature teach you? Why is it that young girls would, would wear, wear their hair longer than some older women? Or what about the long hair on men? It just isn't right, is it? There's something that says it just isn't right. Think about the, in the 60s when, you had, when the hippie movement was prevalent. At that time, they were, it was rebellion, rock and roll, and all of that, and it was long hair. And even the world said it's wrong. Something isn't right. Something isn't right. You know, it's more acceptable today, but you know, it's, it's about, this is speaking about submission. And like the hippie movement was all about rebellion. And this is about submission. This passage is all about submission. Why is, it, why is it a shame for long hair? Well, It's simply going against God. It's going against God. You know, Satan was thrown out of heaven because of rebellion. He didn't accept his place. He didn't submit. He wanted to take over. And I believe rebellion is a deep, deep-seated problem in our country, in our churches. And, and uh, rebellion, the Bible says, is as the sin of witchcraft. And we think about the, uh, another application. Why is the woman so dissatisfied with her role that God gave her out in the world? Why is that? Why is it? why does the woman want to wear men's clothing or why does she want to cut her hair like men why does she want to work men's jobs and instead of being keepers at home why does she want to smoke and drink and copy what men the vile things they do you know the, i think she's trying to find freedom so she tries to she's trying to escape her role her god-given role as a woman in contrast the christian woman she will find her f- fullest freedom and greatest privilege by submitting herself to live in the role God has given her. In the role God has given her. So I think that we need to, uh, we see the, 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 the principles you know, that God lays it out. <clears throat> Judging yourselves and getting behind. So now we have the excuses of the contentious. So the, uh, the one of the uh, excuses that we hear many times is that the woman's hair is the covering in verse 15. And I believe it can be confusing until you take a deeper look at the words and the meanings of the words. The, uh, her hair was giving her, given her that the hair is the covering. Now I'm not a grammar student. I'm not an English teacher or student but you know, I don't think you have to be to figure this one out. So I wanna do just a quick, um, just a, a quick uh, lesson <clears throat> to see if, if we could apply, if we, if we would say that the hair is the covering, then this would make, the other prior verses would not make sense of it at all. So let's say, let's say that, uh, that the hair is the covering Okay, so this is the um, doll here, and the hair is the covering. So let's read the prior verses here. It says, but every woman that prayeth or prophesied with her head uncovered, okay? So that means we're going to have to be, uh, this was how it would be, right? No hair, this would be uncovered. So now let's, let's keep going. But if a woman prayeth or prophesied with her head uncovered, so that's how it is, Dishonour her head, for it is even as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. So you can't shear the hair. There's none there. So it's not what it's talking about, is it? It's, it's not the hair can't be the covering the Bible's talking about in verse 15. Now let's read it the other way, and let's say the Bible's talking about a separate cloth covering, which I believe, and I believe you believe, Says, But every woman that prayeth or prophesied with her head uncovered, that would be like it is, dishonoreth her head, for that is even as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. And there she is, right? So that's how it be that's how you could apply it, right? Says, But if it's a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. That makes sense. That so we can't, you can't say that the covering, the hair is the covering. Uh, that this word covering comes from a different Greek word than the first one. That for our hair was given her for a covering, is from a different Greek word. Uh, and and I don't have it up here, but the, the the Greek, but it is a different Greek word, and it's translated in different. Um, I like to use the Englishman's concordance, and you can see what a, how a word is translated, the same Greek word, how it's used in other passages. And this word for her hair was given her for a covering is used in Hebrews as vesture, and it's used in other places as arrayed, and a lot of places as clothed. So it's like the, her hair was given her for a beautiful covering. So it's different Greek word than the first word covering. Now, another argument we see today is uh, if, there's any, if there is a disagreement, we will not count the custom very important. They will, that's how they will interpret the moder- the, interpret verse 16. But why would Paul lay out all these 15 verses and then write it off with this just one verse? What he's saying is, we have no disagreement about this issue and if you do, you're being contentious. And we can see that in the, in the church practicing it for 1,900 years, I think, speaks for itself. 1,900 years, there was, no, there was no argument on it at all. And it was universally practiced and there should be no contention. Another one is, it's cultural. It's cultural. It was the culture back then and you've probably heard that one. I had a pastor tell me that one time. It's cultural. Um, and it was for the Corinthians. But, it, you know, a careful study will tell us that there's nothing cultural in it at all. Nothing cultural. I just want to look at these principles that we looked at. This one, the order of headship the head of the woman is man, the head of man is Christ, and the head of Christ is God. Is that cultural? No, that applies everywhere, all the time. Every place that applies in United States, that applies in, in Haiti. And it applies for all, when Paul wrote it, and it applies today. This principle of the man, the, the glory principle, man is the glory of God, woman is the glory of man, and the long hair is the glory of woman. Is that true today? That's as true today, that's a universal principle that's applied everywhere all the time. It is not cultural. It is not cultural. The principle of covered glory. You know, do angels still cover their glory? Do angels still cover their glory? And, and I believe the answer is, is, would be yes. This principle of creation, man was created of the, of, I mean, woman was created of the man and for the man. Is that cultural? Does that apply just to the Corinth, the Corinth? You know that, that's, that, that's, that applies everywhere all the time. The testimony of creation transcends all people and all types of uh, all, all ages and all types of people. Creation. You know, the, uh, the short hair for man, long hair for woman, that applies today. That's not cultural. The dishonor, is it, is it, is it, uh, did the dishonor change? Did God see, does He see that different? You know, do angels still look on? Do angels still look on today? And I believe the answer is yes, it has nothing to do with culture. Culture. Uh, I believe these principles all transcend culture. You know, the, some say it's just for the worship service. It's just for this worship service, and some of the Bibles at the headings would say for instruction for worship. And But if you look here, the, uh, the, the verses that come right after where we stopped talks about the uh, coming together. This is talking about the communion. Now I declare that I pra- that in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. That's coming together. That's the worship service. And then verse 18. For first of all, when you come together in church, I hear there'll be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So that is a transition into the worship service. So I don't believe the first 16 verses have anything do, to do with the the uh, the worship service. And also, they say some say, well, it's just for the Corinthians. It's just for the. It was written just for the Corinthians. But I'll back up to the first verse where it says. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Samothius, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, that in all that, that, all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So I take this as a letter to me. Anyone that calls uh, that's sanctified in Christ, called to be saints, anyone that calls on the name of the Lord, 1 Corinthians was written to. So here we have a principle. The, the principles laid out, the doctrine of headship, the doctrine of headship, the uh, the principles of uh, the, the covered glory, the long hair for women, short hair for men, covered hair Covered uh, for women and uncovered for men is Bible doctrine. So I trust that this will strengthen our convictions that we can know why, the why, as to why we practice this. And uh, I believe God will be blessed. You know, the uh, there's a, uh, I believe we want to, there's a verse there that talks about, let me just go. <clears throat> For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, are they? Not grievous, not burdensome, shall we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and love to us. We thank you for dying for us. Lord, we thank you for the truths of your word. Lord, as we went through the doctrine of headship, Lord, we might not understand everything, but Father, I just pray that we would be uh, willing to, to practice what you have laid out for us in Scripture. Thank you for the body here at Myerstown. I just pray that we can be a bright and shining light for you. I pray that you will uh, make us a blessing. In Jesus' worthy name, amen. Let's stand together, and Nate, you can have a closing song, and you can consider yourselves dismissed. Mm.